0: It's really great to be here and and I'm really pleased to see so many faces here and of course we have all the people joining us online as well and so we welcome you. Two weeks ago we had a fantastic sermon by Dean Brooks where he spoke about compelling grace and it was just one of those sermons that really hit home for me and I went home and I actually got my journal out and started writing and I wrote in there, what am I passionate about? Well, I love sharing with people, so me standing up here is something I really enjoy doing um, and it goes back to my teaching days. I have a desire also to, for people to understand that they have choices, that you make choices. We sometimes make these choices so subconsciously we don't even realise we're making them. And I also am very passionate about people being able to live the best life they can. So you can see how those things go together. So do you want to live a good life? Do you want to live in this quagmire of life back here in the dark, pulled down by the busyness and the noise and the blackness of life? Or do you want to come out in the light and be in charge and be, work in the glory of God? Where do you want to be? You've actually got a choice. You can stay back here and you can have a pity party or you can take charge and make appropriate choices to be here. Now, sometimes we find we end up here even when we know what we're doing Somet- and we need to just go, that's enough, got to get out of here because that's the reality. We, we need to make these choices. Sometimes they're conscious. You made choices to get here today. You might not realise how many thousands of choices you've already made today. What did you have for breakfast? What time did you get up? What did you put on? Which foot did you put in your pants first? Believe it or not, we make a choice about which leg to put in our pants first. And when I got married 50 years ago, my sisters worked out which leg I put in First. So I got my pants out of my bag on my honeymoon and I put my first leg in and that was fine. When I put my second leg in, I only got halfway down because they'd stitched the leg together in salt. <laughs> so I didn't realise I'd made that, tro- that same choice every time, but they knew. So what choices are you making that are subconscious and there all the time? And what choices are you making that are conscious choices? Can we shift it to make more conscious choices? Many of you know that I have a hubby of 50 years, as I've just mentioned, and five years ago we were given the, the news that he was only had a few months to live. He had stage four pancreatic cancer. Well, blow me down, he's actually still here, Right? Um, only 1.8% of people live five years with this cancer, so he's Mr. 1.8% and has a T-shirt that says it. And you should think that I would be really happy and really joyous and over the moon and all the rest of it. Well, I am, to a point, but I was having a bit of a pity party around the time of that five years. I put together a great party for him. We might got the food, I got the family up, organised everything, and I thought, why am I feeling like this? Why am I not over the moon? Everyone walks in and says how fantastic he is. He had red wine till 2.30 in the morning. He had a good time, right? So I sat down and I wrote a bit of poetry. And I only wrote the first two verses to start with, and I'm going to read them to you. So it's called I Survived As Well. How wonderful he survived five years. Celebrate, acknowledge, wonder at the statistics. Yes, he survived five years. Thank you. Yes, I helped through the time. Cooked, listened and made decisions. Yes, he survived five years. Where is my celebration that I survived five years? I cried. I loved unconditionally. I faced the thoughts of life on my own. I grieved the life I thought we would have. I kept our lives going. I severed my hamstring and broke my wrist. How tired I am. Endless talk of cancer, endless rounds of chemo, still my life controlled by cancer. Yes, I survived five years as well. That's a bit, you know, shabby really, isn't it? You know, I, was, I should be really grateful that I've got this man in my life who I love dearly, but I was having a bit of a pity party. And a few days later, I was sitting doing my daily devotions and it hit me, it needed a third verse. And this is the third verse. I needed to make a choice. My celebration is mine. It is my choice. It is in the days I get to spend with him. The joy of having today, the cuddles, the conversation, hearing the birds sing and planning with hope, knowing that I'm not alone in this. For the one to whom I am yoked has promised to give me rest. My saviour is with me. The celebration is in today because I survived the past. See how one verse can change the whole aspect of it, how you feel about it. So I'd gone from being back here in this, wallowing in my own, my God, notice me, I survived as well, to thank you, Lord, that you are with me. And that changes my whole perspective of the experience. I got out of it. I made a choice. I made a decision to move from here to here. But the wonderful thing is, that we don't have to do this on our own. We actually have the Holy Spirit with us. And we have two scriptures that I want to bring up today. The one we, you know, most of us know, and I've even got a little song at home that children sing about Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Now, the fruit of the spirit is there for us to take if we believe in Jesus. It just doesn't pour in the top of our head and come out of our fingertips and our mouths. We actually have to action it. It's there to help us love, be kind, have joy and self-control. It's not a given that you're always going to have it. You actually have to take it in and use it. The fruit of the Spirit is there for you. So we can have this self-control through the fruit of the Spirit. And I wanted to, I I could talk about choice and self-control and everything for for days, as some friends of mine already know. Um, but we um, I want to just pick out three areas of choice. And the first area of choice is I'm going to choose. So notice what I'm saying. I am going to choose. You're taking in I, using the I term, so you own it. I am going to choose To see myself as God sees me. So I'm sure you've read the Bible. You've read different parts of it. You've read verses where it says things. But have you ever taken ownership of what it says about yourself? I've got about 15 verses here, but I'm not going to go through all of them because we all want to go home sometime today. Um, But remember that what you focus on, is what you believe. What you say to yourself is what you believe. So if you choose, I choose to see myself as God sees me, as the Bible says about me, it's going to make a big difference. I'll give you some examples. John 1:12 says Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wonderful. You got the right to become a child of God. What's a more powerful way to say that today? I am a child of God. See the difference? You say, if you sit there and say, I am a child of God, it's quite different. In Romans 8, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, I will not be condemned by God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I am a new creation. The old has passed away. Can you see the difference? When you go, I am, this is what the Bible says you are. I've got some blank sheets that you can have later if you want to do some homework. It's got the 15 verses on it, but there's there's blank next to it. And like the children have their times tables on the back of the toilet, you can take this sheet of paper and you can convert these verses into the I am statements and hang it up on the back of the loo door. And you can sit there and go, I am. So you can say, I am a child of God. I am a friend of Jesus. I have been justified and redeemed. I will not be condemned by God. I have been set free of sin and death. Can you hear the power of the I am? This is what the Bible says about you. If you choose to believe that, how different will that make your life? So the practical part of choosing to believe who you are in God or how God sees us or me or myself, firstly, you have to choose to believe it. Secondly, you have to start saying it because if you actually say it, it becomes more powerful. And thirdly, you have to act on it because actions will change what you believe about yourself it's like making it solidify a bit more so that's the first choice to choose to believe what god says about me so you choose to believe what the god bible says about you now if you believe all of that then you've got to move on to the second major fundamental choice that I want to talk to you about. And that is that you want to choose to practice. I choose to practice self-care. Now, out in the world... You know the busyness of the world. They'll talk about, oh, you've got to go on a retreat somewhere. You've got to, the women. You've got to go and have a massage and have your nails done. And guys, you want to go and have a beer down the pub with your friends. Or you know, that's the self care you've got to do. As Christians, we can do it differently. When you believe that you are special. Like Psalm 139.14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How will you care for that fearfully and wonderfully made person? What is it that you need to do to practice self-care? Well, most of you can see I have my nails done every fortnight, but that's not the answer. We need to care for ourselves By looking into ourselves, we need to find out what our inner qualities are. What's your inner quality? What is it that makes you a special person? Because each and every one of you is a special person. Each and every one of you has has many inner qualities. Not inner qualities, inner qualities. Some of you are great prayer warriors. And you do a fantastic job at that. Some of you are great gardeners. Some of you are great cooks. Some of you are great at cleaning and thank you for being the cleaners in this church because I'm not one of those. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. So what are, firstly, what are your inner qualities? What is it about you that makes you special? So then how will you care for that inner quality? How will you enhance that quality you have? Make it a conscious decision to find out what that quality is, qualities are, and work out how to care for them. So if you're a great pear warrior, pray. Don't get bogged down here in this quagmire and forget to pray because you're denying that inner quality and enhance it. The other thing we need to do to care for ourselves, practice self-care, is to find that peace, that peace of heart. So I've been in isolation for the last week. The government let me out yesterday, um, and but I'm very fortunate. I have a block of land that has 200 plus year old gum trees on it, and I was able to, I was allowed to leave the house. I could walk around the property. And I could stand under those trees and I could say, thank you, Lord. I could find the peace. I could go somewhere and just sit on a piece of lawn. I can have a chair at home where I find that peace, where I'm anchored into that peace. It might be a particular colour that brings you peace. Whatever it is, find that peace. Get your heart stilled. Get it peaceful. The other way to care for yourself is to find the riches in God's word. Goes without saying, isn't it? When, you, like when, I was, when I wrote that third verse on that poem, it was because I'd been in God's word and it gave me a way out of my little pity party that I was having. Another thing to do is to choose your friends carefully and prayerfully. You need people alongside you that will share your integrity, that will share your vision, that they will encourage you in your walk with God. It doesn't mean we only choose Christian friends. The majority of my friends are not Christian. But it means we do have people who appreciate who we are and want the best for us. Now, I can't remember if it was late last year or early this year, but I was in the church here and someone, a lovely lady in the church made a passing comment. And, you know, from that, there are four of us now who try to meet regularly. Now, life gets in the way sometimes. But we encourage each other to the point where someone said, let's, we're all a bit dry, let's have a weekend away. Now, that might seem to you like, oh, we're going to live it up. And Scott said to me the other day, oh, I heard you went away. I didn't know whether it was a live you up weekend. And I went, no, actually, I was prepared six sessions, um, biblical, you know, based sessions. And we also had a pastor, Sri Lankan pastor, who we sent the topic to and no other information. And he gave us a sermon from the UK, which tied the whole weekend together. Now, isn't God the most awesome God? But what I'm saying is these ladies support me. I try to support them. We send we have got a little messenger group and we find out what we need to pray for each other for. We know when something's not quite travelling right. We're there to support. We're there to share our complimentary gifts. We're very different people. I'm a mathematician. Someone else in the group's really creative. We've got Twinkle, who twinkles everywhere, as you all know, Twinkle, she fits her name. It's an amazing time of putting complementary gifts together. So if you want to practise self-care, put people in your life who complement you. Be prepared for them to challenge you because sometimes you need to be challenged. Care for yourself not just as the world tells you to care for yourself. So, yes, make sure you eat properly, get exercise, drink lots of water, all those things we know about. But think about what it means to be caring for yourself, choosing to care for yourself because you are precious. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. So once you have worked out who you are in God and you believe it, you choose to believe it, and you choose to do self-care, then you're ready to move on to the third choice that I want to talk about today. And the third choice is, I choose to have kingdom priorities. Kingdom priorities. And Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So priority means we're trying to establish a level of importance, like what comes first. What comes second? We rank it. We put it in its privilege um, status, where things fit. So what is your primary concern? What is your topmost priority? Now, I know five years ago my topmost priority just slipped straight into being Dale, right? When you think you're going to lose your partner, you change lots of things around you, and I let slip a whole lot of other things. I let slip some of my kingdom priorities. I was so absorbed in running from one medical appointment to another to looking at him and watching him and making sure he had a professional photographer around to take photos so the grandchildren could remember him when they grew up. My priorities shifted. They needed to do a bit of a shift back. So there are times when we get caught up And we need to come back to going, this brain God gave us, this most amazing brain, God gave it to us. It's not by accident. We have the ability to choose. So our priorities need to be God-centred, not self-centred. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength as we're informed to do in Luke. So, how do we get these kingdom priorities? We have to enter the kingdom. We have to surrender and we have to submit to his rule. We have to make a choice to surrender. God doesn't make us surrender. It's our choice. We choose to do it. Sometimes we don't always do it. Sometimes our choices aren't always in line with that. But what we want to do is come more into the light than stay in the back. We don't want to be that victim. We want to be the overcomer. We want to be out here in charge of our choices. So we have to make the kingdom our greatest interest. What does that mean for you? What does it mean? How is the kingdom going? How's the kingdom going in Australia? If you look at the census data, not very well. There's a few of us sitting here. What is everyone else doing in Adelaide on Sunday mornings? In Uganda, when I've been able to go there, unfortunately not for the last two years, they'll be standing on the corner proclaiming the word of God and no fear attached to doing that. If I stood out there and proclaimed the word of God, I would be in so much fear I would melt into the pavement because I'm bound by my culture. Is that the right thing for me to do? I don't know. That's something I have to pray about. But what are your kingdom priorities? Where can you make a difference? What is your interest So I love standing here, so kind of rang and I was in Ardrossen a couple of weeks ago and he said, oh, by the way, Denise, do you think you can pray? i went, yes, thank you, because I love it. It suits me. It might not suit everybody else. That's okay. Your gift might be doing something else. So we have to make the church, God's church, our first interest and our chief delight. What can we do to enhance it? Well, we can devote our first minutes of the day to um, looking at his word, to getting in tune with him. It's amazing what he does. I've got boxes of journals at home. I often wonder why I'm saving them, whether the children will ever read them or the grandchildren. Um, But it's amazing for me when I write how much it puts me in tune with God. You might be quite different. You might want to be out walking the streets, praying, whatever. You need to dedicate your best energy to the kingdom. Be energised by God's love for you. Choose to use your resources and your energy for the betterment of the kingdom. Remembering that your attitude shows more than your actions. We know that if people can Um, detect a fraud at 100 paces so if your attitude and your actions do not match your words they will go by your attitude and your actions so you can spout, spout as much as you like about Jesus but they're not going to believe you or be interested in you if your attitude and your actions do not match that is just how it is so the way you act, the way you behave, how you interact with people—they are where your energy should be. They should be in line with the kingdom priorities. So prioritize, prioritize, sorry, prioritize your kingdom priorities in your prayers. So pray in the kingdom. Pray over your children. Pray over your grandchildren. Pray over your partner. I can remember Des Joyce saying to me one day about praying for Dale and I said, well, he actually doesn't realise that half the time I've got my hand on him in bed is because I'm praying. You know, it's hands-on prayer because he's not a Christian but I'm praying him into the kingdom, I hope. He has come to church quite a bit in recent times. But we pray over people. We pray for things to happen. We prayed for camp, you know, we pray for young people to be impacted. We pray for our older people that their lives can be still fulfilling, even if physically they aren't going so well. This is where our kingdom priorities are or should be. So we need to give our resources, whatever those resources are, to God. That's what it means to say, I choose kingdom priorities. I choose. So we've chosen to believe what God God says about us in the Bible. We choose to protect, sorry, I choose to practice self-care. I choose kingdom priorities. So you too have the power to choose. You chose what to have for breakfast this morning. Now how important is that compared to a kingdom priority? But you happily made that choice. You chose which was the last car you bought or where you're living or how, when you're going to wash. You're making choices all of the time. Whether you realise it or not, you're making choices. Let's, as Christians, make some really conscious choices that we are choosing how we are moving forward because if we don't make conscious choices then we are going to be left in the quagmire. We are going to be left with our culture telling us what to do. We're going to be left with the social media telling us what to do. If you don't make a decision, you're making a decision. If you say, I can't make a decision, well, you actually are, right? It's crazy, I know, but that's true. Be conscious about your decision-making. I don't mean you have to spend 10 minutes working out what to have for breakfast. But if you're going to decide what to do with the first 10 minutes of your day, that's a different matter. So the Holy Spirit is here with us. It tells us that in Galatians and in Timothy. The Holy Spirit's here to help us to exercise our self-control and our self-discipline and start with making these fundamental choices of choosing to see ourselves as God sees us choosing to follow through on self-care and choosing to have kingdom priorities. So I have the power to choose and so do you. Let us pray. Today, Lord, I have a choice of what I will choose. Lord, may I make choices that align with your kingdom priorities, which help me to become more Christ-like and that honour you. Choices that make me an overcomer instead of a victim, Choices that help me to move forward to the potential that you have placed in me. Lord, I pray that each and every person here today becomes more conscious of their choices that they are making. That they can direct their choices in a way that pleases you. That will give them the opportunity to reach their full potential in you, Lord. For you have placed so much potential in each and every one of us. We pray, Lord, that... You will just send your Holy Spirit to keep pushing us to have the self-control we need to make the choices that will please you. And we all pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, so I have that sheet too if anyone wants one so they can put theirs out for the verses.